Daniel chapter 6, Daniel chapter 6, and we'll read this portion of scripture together. Please give careful attention now to the reading of God's very word. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. And then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless... We find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for thirty days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. And therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. And then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. And then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. And then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, 
Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. And then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. And then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel would brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And then also if you will turn with me to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. A psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all 
generations. Let's end the reading of God's very word. And let's bow before the Lord and ask for his help. Lord, we bow confessing that your word is sweet to us. And we are hungry, Lord, to learn, uh, Lord, more of, of your beauty and your glory and your majesty. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would open your word to us this night. These familiar passages of scripture. And Lord, that you would thrill us with who you are. And Lord, you would not only remind us these precious truths that we have heard uh, many, many times, but Lord, that you would press them upon our hearts, uh, that during the coming week and month and years that lie before us as long as time is, and we are on this side of heaven, that Lord God, you would stir us up to be a people who give thanks to you. Because, Lord, you are worthy of our praise and love and worship. Lord, you are good, and your steadfast love, your covenant mercy endures forever. And it's in Jesus we pray. Amen. <clears throat> this text that we have read is indeed a very familiar one in the book of Daniel. Um, if you grew up in a Christian home, um, if you grew up going to Sunday school, surely you uh, have heard uh, all of your days about Daniel in the lion's den. And yet it, it is easy for us to uh, forget uh, amazing works of God like uh, we have uh, read about uh, again tonight. Um, we want to briefly uh, look this evening at, at three things from this text. Uh, there is much in our text that uh, we could spend uh, literally uh, weeks uh, considering various aspects of uh, who God is as he reveals himself in this text of Scripture. Uh, but tonight we're going to uh, uh, look, first of all, uh, at the context of Daniel's thanksgiving. And as we think about the context of Daniel giving thanks, that God would stir us up to remember uh, to always give thanks to the Lord, regardless of the ease or difficulty of our circumstances. We see here in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, the verse that we're going to focus on um, in this uh, a record of this historical account of these events that took place um, uh, 3,000 years ago or close to it. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, 
as he had done previously. It's easy to read over that and to just uh, forget the context in which we find Daniel praying as was his custom three times a day. Um, he is giving thanks to God. And you see that at the end of verse 10. He prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. What was the situation in which Daniel gave thanks? Well, it did not matter ultimately to Daniel whether his situation was ease or life-threatening trouble. His God deserved his thanks. And I want you to think about that. Here, Daniel knew, and we know that for sure because verse 10, it's not that Daniel was oblivious uh, to this malicious plot of these jealous men uh, who did not want Daniel to be elevated over them. And so these men were on a crusade to take him out. And they opened all of the closet doors that they could find in Daniel's own personal life, in all of his dealings uh, in the past. And the text tells us earlier in Daniel 6, they could find no ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to to the kingdom or his personal life. Now, what a testimony uh, that is of this godly man who had faith in the Christ. May the Lord even use this testimony to stir us up, to give ourselves anew to Jesus, uh, to live in our homes as young people and children, in the workplace, uh, as we live life uh, bumping elbows with strangers in the grocery store uh, or wherever we are, uh, that we would conduct ourselves in a manner that would please the Lord. That was Daniel's desire in life. He was not a perfect man, uh, but he had lived a life of rendering gospel obedience as the old uh, uh, preachers used to refer uh, to the life of the Christian seeking to follow Jesus. Um, our efforts at pleasing the Lord are taken by the Lord Jesus and covered with his blood and received and accepted and blessed. The context of his thanksgiving is there is a death sentence for those who would pray for 30 days to anybody but King Darius. And the death sentence was one that was especially terrifying. If you have ever watched a, a, a cat a, a, a capture a mouse, uh, cats don't just grab the mouse bite it, and that's it. No, they play with the mouse. Uh, they delight in uh, capturing the mouse, and then they'll turn their head and pretend that they don't see the mouse 
finally recovering from fright and thinking, oh good, I can sneak off now. And as soon as the little mouse begins to move again and get away, what does the cat do? It pounces again, but it doesn't kill the mouse. It just grabs the mouse and throws it up in the air. And this is the fate that awaited anyone who would pray to any god or person besides King Darius. King Darius obviously uh, was very foolish and wicked in signing such an edict. Uh, he uh, was tricked uh, because he did not fear God. Uh, and he thought, well, I am a great king, and that would be uh, awfully nice uh, to have this honor that for 30 days nobody would pray uh, to anybody except to me. And so he foolishly and wickedly signed this edict in uh, the form of an injunction, a law uh, that was according to the law of the Medes and the Persians. And that was a category of law in that empire that could not be revoked even by the king himself. Daniel knew all of this. Um, and what does he do? When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. Now, why did he look toward Jerusalem? And Daniel, uh, uh, 2,400 uh, uh, years ago when this took place, <laughs> there wasn't even a temple in Jerusalem anymore. It had been destroyed. And yet God had made promises that that was the place where his house was, had been, and it would be rebuilt. And uh, Daniel, in faith, uh, he is, is, is thinking, uh, this is where God said uh, his people could go and offer sacrifices. And the book of Hebrews chapter 11 uh, reminds us that uh, Daniel and his friends uh, who conquered the mouths of lions... Uh, who escaped the power of fire. Uh, they did so by faith in the Christ. That's why Daniel uh, uh, looked. He was a man of faith in the Christ. He knew the promises of God, uh, that in the fullness of time, the seed of the woman would come uh, who would crush the serpent's head. And so he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Well, what about us? I must confess to you, it is much easier for me to give thanks to the Lord when I am eating a hot fudge sundae or enjoying a Thanksgiving feast than when our soul uh, is grieved and we would be tempted to be very, very discouraged. And yet, even in those times of great difficulty, God is still God, and he is still good. 
and he is worthy of our praise. When our country was first being uh, settled after it had been discovered uh, in the New World Age, the pilgrims left uh, from Southampton on August the 5th in 1620. They had to turn back uh, because uh, the vessel that they were in was leaking so, and there was bad weather. And I'm going to quote from an account of uh, Cotton Mather's uh, The Great Works of Christ in America. Quote, They were by bad weather twice beaten back before they came to the land's end, but it was judged that the badness of the weather did not retard them so much as the deceit of a master, who, grown sick of the voyage, made such pretenses about the leakiness of his vessel that they were forced at last wholly to dismiss that lesser ship from the service. Being now all stowed into one ship on the 6th of September, they put to sea. But they met with such terrible storms that the principal persons on board had serious deliberations upon returning home again. However, after long beating upon the Atlantic Ocean, they fell in with the land at Cape Cod about the 9th of November following. Where going on shore, they fell upon their knees with many and hearty praises unto God, who had been their assurance when they were afar off upon the sea and was to be farther so now that they were come to the ends of the earth. But why at this cape? Here was not the port which they intended this was not the land for which they had provided. And what they mean by provided was they had hired the ship captain to take them to a different place. And as we're going to read, he had taken a bribe and lied and took them to a different place. The most crooked way that ever was gone even that of such was the way of this little Israel now going into the wilderness. There was indeed a most wonderful providence of God over a pious and a praying people in this disappointment. In other words, he, he says, now I want to explain to you how even though this ship captain lied and tricked them, and instead of taking them to the Hudson Bay area where they had originally contracted with the ship captain to take them, he took them to Cape Cod. Their design was to have sat down somewhere about Hudson's River. But some of their neighbors in Holland, having a mind themselves to settle a plantation there, secretly and sinfully contracted with the master of the ship, employed for the transportation of these our English exiles by a more northerly course to put a trick upon them, 
"'Twas in the pursuance of this plot that not only the goods but also the lives of all on board were now hazarded by the ships falling among the shoals of Cape Cod, where they were so entangled among dangerous breakers thus late in the year that the company got at last into the Cape Harbor, broke off their intentions of going any further. And yet, behold, the watchful providence of God over them that seek him. This false dealing proved a safe dealing for the good people against whom it was used. Had they been carried according to their desire unto Hudson's River, the Indians in those parts were at this time so many and so mighty and so sturdy that in all probability all this little feeble number of Christians would have been massacred by these bloody savages as not long after some others were. Whereas the good hand of God now brought them to a country wonderfully prepared for their entertainment by a sweeping mortality that had lately been among the natives. We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work you did in their days, in the times of old, how you drove out the heathen with your hand and planted them how you did afflict the people and cast them out. The Indians in these parts had newly, even about a year or two before, been visited with such a prodigious pestilence as carried away not a tenth, but nine parts of ten, yea, tis said nineteen of twenty among them, so that the woods were almost cleared of these pernicious creatures to make room for a better growth. It is remarkable that a Frenchman who not long before this plague had by a shipwreck been made a captive among the Indians of this country and did as the survivors reported just before he died by their hands tell these pagans that God being angry with them for their wickedness would not only destroy them all, but also peopled the place with another nation, which would not live after their brutish manners. Those infidels then blasphemously replied, Your God cannot kill us. Which blasphemous mistake was confuted by an horrible and unusual plague, whereby they were consumed in such vast multitudes that our first planters found the land almost covered with their unburied corpses. And they that were left alive were smitten into awful and humble regards of the English by the terrors which the remembrance of the Frenchman's prophecies had imprinted on them. Isn't that an amazing account? Uh, that here what looked like a disaster, uh, a, a wicked captain who took a bribe and lied, uh, God used that for good. Well, Daniel gives thanks, even in the face of hard circumstances, and so ought we. Romans eight twenty eight is always true. But we know that 
God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And so Daniel, even in the face of this threat, he said, God, you are still God, and you are still good, and your faithfulness endures forever. It is not that Daniel knew uh, what the outcome would be, but it was that Daniel knew his God. And so that brings us to the second point, and that is not only the context of Daniel's thanksgiving, that regardless of what was going on around him, he was compelled to give thanks to God. But the content of his thanksgiving was the Lord God, his attributes, and his providence. Daniel gave thanks to the God of the Bible. Daniel knew that God was good. And that's what we read in Psalm 100. Uh, Even when he could not see uh, how uh, God's hand was going to work, uh, he had that confidence that God is good. He knew that God was all-powerful. He had seen the Lord Jesus come and walk in the fiery furnace, rescuing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or heard the account Uh, We don't know where Daniel was when that took place, but surely he heard about it because he wrote about it uh, in this portion of Holy Scripture in Daniel chapter 3. We know that God is the judge of all the earth, and he will do what is right. Daniel was the one who interpreted uh, the uh, uh, prophecy, the handwriting on the wall, of King Belshazzar, uh, who was King Nebuchadnezzar's uh, uh, descendant. Uh, Mene, Mene, tekel you farson. Uh, God has weighed you, Belshazzar, uh, in the scales, and you have been found wanting. Um, Indeed, God is the judge of all the earth. And we we may not live in this life to see how God straightens everything out, Uh, but we rest assured that the judge of all the earth will do what is right. That was the content of Daniel's thanksgiving. It was the very things that God had revealed about himself. It was uh, that God is a holy God. Uh, Daniel, as a young man, had purposed in his heart that he would not sin against God, even by breaking the dietary laws that in the Old Testament time were in place, marking out the people of God from the Gentiles. And even though it uh, ran the risk of the disfavor of King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego purposed in their heart that they would be faithful to the Lord because God is holy and he claims us. Daniel knew that God was full of mercy and that in the fullness of time, uh, as King Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed in Daniel chapter 2, 
that God would send his son uh, to be the redeemer and to set up his kingdom. And this rock that was cut out of the mountain without human hands would strike the statue of all the empires of man uh, in the feet uh, during the time of the Roman Empire. And all of those empires would crumble. But that little rock would grow and crush and pulverize all of these other kingdoms. And the wind would blow and there would be no trace of them. But that kingdom would grow and grow and fill the whole earth. That's what Daniel's thanksgiving was all about. Daniel knew God. He knew his perfections, and he had seen his mighty works of providence. And here we are on this side of the cross with far more information about God. And yet, I confess to you, I find myself struggling at times uh, when we have personal sorrows and heartaches oh it is easy for us to lose sight of all of these amazing truths about our God but the Lord calls upon us to give thanks unto the Lord uh, years ago there was a, a, a dear man who died uh, and Pastor Carl Hal I will never forget as long as I have sound mind uh, he preached at this funeral uh, to the family, urging the family to remember uh, Jesus, even in the face of the heartaches. And he took uh, all of those of us who had gathered uh, at this funeral in the gospel accounts to uh, when Jesus was in the boat with the disciples and a storm came. And Jesus was asleep in the boat. And the wind became more and more angry and the waves began to come over the sides of the boat. And the disciples were beside themselves. Uh, they evidently had been bailing and things were not looking good. And they woke Jesus up in the panic and they said, Lord, do you not even care that we are perishing? These disciples forgot who Jesus is. And Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves, Hush, be still. And immediately the sea became a sea of glass. When I was a little boy, sometimes we would forget what was our instructions. And in the bathtub, uh, we would play Tarzan, he would swing on the curtain over the pool that had alligators in it. And sometimes the water would get very violent, which was the thing we had forgotten we could not do. You cannot slosh water all over the bathroom floor. And then we would hear the footsteps, and so we would stop. But you know what the water would do? It would continue to slosh for some time. It would not stop immediately. 
But here the Lord Jesus speaks, and the sea becomes a sea of glass instantly. The disciples were amazed. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey his voice? But by God's grace, Daniel did not forget who was with him. Daniel gave thanks to the Lord even in the face of this threat of being cast into the den of lions. And so the context of his thanksgiving, it didn't matter what was going on. God is still good. He is still worthy of praise, and so it is with us. And the content of his thanksgiving is who God is, his person, his perfections, his providence. But of course, uh, the last thing, it is the compulsion. It is that God has laid hold of us in his mercy, and we are his. And what more shall I say, for the time will fail me if I were to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. It was through faith. It was because Daniel was joined to the one who was the great I am. And so it is with us. And so as we think about uh, Thanksgiving, another year, it has come and gone. But not our privilege to be a people who give thanks. May the Lord stir us up uh, to remember to give thanks to God, like Daniel, all through this coming year. Because God is good and his mercy endures forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this reminder to us that you are always God and you are always good and you know what you are doing. We thank you that even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances, that is still true and we can trust you. We ought to trust you. We ought even to give thanks, even in the midst of the storm, because you are with us, Lord Jesus, in the boat of life. And you have the power to rebuke the wind and the waves. And if it is pleasing to you, you can deliver us from the fiery furnace. Lord, if you choose uh, to not deliver us like uh, you left your servant John the Baptist in Herod's prison and he was executed. Uh, Lord, we gladly give ourselves to you and we thank you for the privilege to follow you. Lord, give us hearts like Daniel had. Faith in you, Lord Jesus, to walk by faith to live trusting in you, to live giving thanks to you, our great God. Father, we do not know what any of us uh, will face uh, in this coming year, whether there 
will be times of great ease and comfort or whether there will be times of great distress and turmoil. But Lord, we thank you that you are always at work and you're always faithful and you always have us in your nail-scarred hands. And so we give ourselves unreservedly to you afresh, our great God. And we love you, Lord. And we pray that you would bless us now as we sing and that you would stir us up with joy and gladness. We thank you, O Lord, for how you blessed the pilgrims uh, back uh, hundreds of years ago and that they uh, were tricked, but you are still good. And so, Lord God, thank you. Uh, write these truths upon our hearts and lives. And we delight, Lord, to be yours. And bless now as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen.